Now, jot down these five key ideas that can help us all to take advantage of the 21st century. Here's number one, work on your personal philosophy. Your personal philosophy is like a guidance system. Personal philosophy, a guidance system. Now, the subject of philosophy is a big subject, you know, spiritual philosophy and economic philosophy and social and all the rest. But your personal philosophy now is like a guidance system. Just draw you an arrow. That'll be your guidance system. And your guidance system only does two things. One, helps you to see the dangers over here so you don't build on the sand, even though at the moment it looks attractive. Blue sky, fleecy clouds, why not build on the sand? See, you just have to get smarter and smarter at that, not to do that. Now, your guidance system also helps you to find the opportunities over here. And this is what the drama of life is all about. Danger riding side by side with opportunity. Los Angeles, a place for the most extraordinary opportunity probably in the world, side by side with danger. In Los Angeles, when the light turns green, you better not go. Wait two or three seconds for those maniacs, right, that are running the red light. Did you ever blink and say, I can't believe the light is green and there's cars going this way in front of me. That's Los Angeles. If you're a pedestrian and the light turns green, you better not go. If it says walk, you better not walk for a second or two. To what? Save your life. Save your life. Okay. Danger and opportunity side by side. Learning to understand one so you can avoid it how to cash in on the other. Now, jot this down because it's got to be taught early. The guidance system must start early. When a child goes to school, they've got to have a good guidance system working so they can spot the dangers to their health, the dangers to their person, the dangers to their thinking, the dangers to their future. Early, this system has to start. From early training, ideas, information, parents, teachers, and the temptation is always there. When I was a little kid growing up, I saw this cartoon of a little boy with a little devil on one shoulder and a little angel, right, on the other shoulder, both whispering in his ear. The little devil says, go ahead and do it. It'll be okay. A little angel says, no, 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 won't be okay. No, no, no. Yes, yes, go ahead. You can get by with it this time. No, no, no. What is that? It's called high drama. This is, this is high drama. Every day of our life, we are tempted. Cross the line, tempted. Run the light, tempted. Sometimes it could be fatal in a moment. Here's a father who loves his family. He's a respected citizen of the community. He's got a thriving business, but he's late for an appointment. And he's pushing it in Los Angeles. And the light turns red and the voice says, go, you can make it this time. Besides your late, go. And now he's dead. This is not an evil man. This is not a bad man. This is a careless man who in just a moment of thoughtlessness loses his life. So everybody's guidance system has got to be alert and working. Whether it's in business, crossing the line. Whether it's a moral question, ethical question, all the rest. All of us. That's why the great prayer says, lead us around temptation. Help us to manage this 
dangerous side. And then it just goes on and on. This is part of the great drama, the spoiler and the creator. Over here is what? Evil. And over here is what? Good. Over here is darkness. Here's light. Over here is illness. Over here is what? Health. Over here is death. Over here is what? Life. Here's tyranny. Liberty. Why this drama? Because it's the only way to create a human drama. So make this note. One of the best I have for the day. Here's what it seems like. Opposites are in conflict and we are in the middle. That's the game of life. Whether it's in business, whether it's home, social, marriage, personal, friendship, health, no matter what it is. It's the drama. But what if you picked up a book and the first chapter said, everything's fine. Uh, second chapter, uh, everything's fine. Uh, third chapter, hey, everything is just fine. Fourth chapter, everything's fine. Would you finish the book? And the answer is no. What kind of a book is that is not the book? First chapter, the war is on. Oh, let me read the second chapter and the third chapter. Isn't this the deal? Let me give you the last illustration. Would it be possible to win if you couldn't lose? And the answer is no. This is called winning and losing. What if you put a football under your arm and we all went with you to the nearest football stadium and you, with this ball under your arm, crossed the goal line? Would we cheer and call it a touchdown? No. It's not a touchdown until you face the 300-pounders that want to smash your face in the turf. And if you can muscle by them and dance past the secondary and then cross the goal line, we'd cheer and call it a touchdown and maybe a championship, but not without the contest. So it looks like God started this whole thing with the angels. A third of them rebelled and he threw them out. And that started what we call high drama. And the high drama continues today between the spoiler and the creator. And all we have to do now is figure out in our business, social, personal, economic, daily life, how to multiply all life systems by two, by three, by five, by 10, by following a few simple guidelines. One is understanding, first of all, philosophy being like the set of the sail on a sailboat. The winds are always blowing, contrary winds and political winds and social winds. Familiar winds and unfamiliar winds and upside down winds and storms like hit Florida. So the wind is always blowing. But to get to your dreams and the things you want for yourself and for your family and the money and all the rest, you don't have to curse the wind. All you have to do is set a better sail. And that's what sermons are for. Lyrics from songs, dialogue with conversation with friends. And that's what classes like this are for is to help keep setting better sail so that no matter what happens in 205, 2006, 7, 8, 10, you will get so good at setting sail that no matter what winds blow, it still takes you toward your destination.
That's called the high drama and the game of life. That's it. Making sure you're not building on sand. Making sure your casa grande is built on the rock. It starts with personal philosophy. And it's all a matter of personal choice. Right? You can change a little or you can change a lot. You can go with the old script or with the new script. Either one. At age 25, I decided to tear up the old script. My mentor said, Mr. Owen, you've been working six years. How are you doing? I said, not very well. He said, I suggest you not do that anymore. That's a pretty simple analysis. He said, couldn't we go over the last six years and find out where your errors in judgment were? And couldn't we correct those and invest that correction in the next six years? I said, I guess we could. That's what we did. That's how I went from pennies to fortune. Incredible. Only humans can do this. See, if you were a tree, you'd be stuck. Right? If you used up all the nourishment around you, couldn't move, then you would die. But that's not true. So however little what much you want to change, that's up to you. But see, if there's a class and you don't take it and a skill and you don't learn it and a discipline and you don't try it. And if there's a possibility and you don't explore it, then who are we going to blame? Nobody but yourself. This is the land of extraordinary opportunity. Now, here's four more key ideas. One is personal philosophy. Here's the next one. Attitude. How we feel plays such a major part in our future. First, it's what we know so we can make wise decisions about danger and opportunity. But second is how we feel. First, it's how you feel about the past. You need a healthy attitude about the past so that you use it, not live in it, but use it. Not carry it like a burden, but let the wise lessons you learn from the past now serve as fuel to furnish the future. Next, a good attitude about the future. You got to set your goals. We look back for experience, but we look forward for inspiration. We must be instructed and inspired. No better inspiration than to set your goals. I started this process when I was 25, literally rocked my world, changed my life. I had no idea it was so simple. Here's how simple it is. Decide what you want, write it all down. Make a list of the people you want to meet. Make a list of the books you want to read. Make a list of the classes you want to take. Make a list of the skills you want to learn. Make a list of the cities you want to visit. Make a list of the investments you want to have. Just make these lists. Here's the next key now. Start checking them off. Put a lot of little things on some list so you can start checking off something right away. That's part of the fun. Here's what's next. If you check off something major, celebrate because that inspires you to make a longer list of goals and put everything on your list. Little things insignificant to someone else important to you. I put a little revenge on my first list. My mentor said it was healthy. Some of the people who said I couldn't succeed, kid from the farms of Idaho, they went on my list. Couldn't wait to get my new car, drive it up on their lawn. Say, oh, pardon me, here's the money to have it fixed. Just little satisfaction. My Japanese friend, Toro Ikeda, 
San Jose, California, put on his first list, a Caucasian gardener. Way back then, everybody had a Japanese gardener. Everybody, Japanese gardener. Said, I'm Japanese, I'm gonna have a Caucasian gardener. <laughs> okay, little satisfactions, right? Set your goals, decide what you want, write it down, start checking them off, it's powerful stuff. Next, it's how you feel about everybody. If you wanna be a leader, true leader, entrepreneur of the highest order, well-respected, unique, in your field. Here's number one, how you feel about everybody. And this is philosophical as well. You cannot succeed by yourself. So a unique sense of appreciation of everybody goes with the territory of leadership. It takes everybody for each of us to be successful. One person doesn't make an economy. One person doesn't make a symphony orchestra. It takes everybody. For this gathering today, all of you had to be here to make this gathering. Everybody. If one of you were missing, there wouldn't be this many people here. Everybody to make something work for the office, whatever. The enterprise takes everybody. The gift of America is everybody who came over the last two, three hundred years, bringing with them their gifts. No country has become such a depository of the gifts of the world like America has over the last two, 300 years. People coming, bringing their gifts, gift of language, gift of learning, gift of politics, gift of government, gift of medicine, gift of healing, gift of music, gift of the work ethic. All this came in steady streams from all over the world, making us unusual because of the gifts that were brought. And to understand that and appreciate it now gives you open access to the market that's available to make your fortune. Now, what I love to do is go back where these gifts came from. Not long ago, I was in Rome, had a thousand people in my class. Someone suggested, Jim Rohn loves the music of Andrea Bocelli, the blind opera singer from Italy. So when they introduced me, I walked to the podium and all 1,000 of these Italians stood up and sang for me one of Andrea Bocelli's songs. In true Italian style, years. I described it to my uh, grandchildren later. I said, here was the scene, a choir of a thousand and an audience of one. And that was me. I thought, here's where some of these gifts came. The gift of poetry, the gifts. So learn to appreciate the gifts. Now, the last attitude is how you feel about yourself. Nothing more powerful than self-esteem, which creates self-confidence. The greatest steps towards success come from self-confidence. And that comes from self-esteem, doing what you know you should, so that at the end of the day, you have high, high self-esteem. That's attitude. Now here's the third of the five ideas. One was personal philosophy. Second was attitude. Number three, activity. The activity now is the work part, the labor part. The old formula says six days of labor, one day of rest. Don't rest too long. The weeds take the garden. But here's what else to remember about the six days of labor. They are miracle working days. That's how you turn nothing into something.
You cannot speak it into something. You know, some are trying affirmations, but that's silly. I do believe in affirmations as long as you affirm the truth. The truth. If you're broke, best thing to affirm is, I am broke. <laughs> you put that up on the refrigerator. It's called life-changing. If that doesn't do it, put this up there. Uh, I live in America and I'm broke. Something is wrong. I've been to college and I'm broke. Something is wrong. See, that? if you affirm the truth now, those affirmations are good. Because it's the truth that sets you free. Someone says, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. What if that's not true? Make this note. Affirmation without discipline is the beginning of delusion. It's not called six days of affirmation. It's called six days of what? Work. Labor. But why embrace the work? Why embrace the work? It is because the work builds the city. The work conquers disease. The work builds an office. The work builds a career. The working on good health builds good health. It's the work that builds a relationship. The miracle piece of turning nothing into something is the work. So embrace and look forward to the work that changes nothing into something. Ideas and faith into reality. Wisdom and faith uninvested in activity serves no purpose. But wisdom and faith invested in action, activity, creates cities, creates careers, creates fortunes, creates all good and marvelous things that humans can enjoy. The activity, the work, embrace the work. I must come here to be of some value to all of you and do the work. The work of language, the work of words, ideas put in phrases that can be understood, maybe create some enlightenment from it. So I must come and do the work. But if I do the work, some new stories may come spinning out of this session here today. I hope so. So six days, have you got that now? Six days work, one day rest. Don't rest too long. The weeds take the garden. Don't get these numbers mixed up now. Now here's the last two. The next one is measure progress. Because if you're going to play the great drama game of life, the key is to keep measuring progress to see how you're doing. How's your health doing? How's your income doing? How are your investments doing? If you're building a house, how is it coming along? You know, what's going on? Measuring progress. That's what we call the name of the game. Here's how we teach it to our children. You must make measurable progress in reasonable time. That's about as simple as you can put it to the kids. You're required to make measurable progress in reasonable time. Now, we must be reasonable with time. You can't say to someone every five minutes, how are you doing now? Five minutes later, how are you doing now? The guy says, I haven't left the building yet. Give me a break. So five minutes to ask for a count or a measure is too soon. Five years is too long, too late. Too many things can go wrong. So reasonable time. Here's reasonable time. One, at the end of the day. Don't let more than a day go by but what you check and measure some things. Count, measure, take a look at. My mama taught good health. I've been healthy all my life. My papa lived to be 93, never did retire. 
When he died, his paycheck was waiting for him. Mama was good. Mama said, an apple a day, not once in a while, apple a day. Mama said, apple a day. So at the end of the day, check off. The old prophet said, if you're angry, try to solve it before the sun goes down. Don't carry it over for another day. It, tomorrow it might be too heavy to carry. A conversation a father should have with his daughter today because the magic is there. If he waits till tomorrow, the magic could be gone. Today, a reasonable time to count. How are you doing? You have how many properties now? Right? It's been six months. You have how many now? It's been one year. Now you have how many? It's been two years and now you have how many? Uh, how many? It's the key. Count. Count. It's the deal. Success is a numbers game. How many years do you want your child to spend in fourth grade? Approximately. About what? One. One. One grade, one year. Progress. One grade, one year. And you've got to set up your own measuring system. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You set it up. Because society doesn't require you not have a heart attack. That you must require of yourself. Society doesn't demand that you build a financial wall around your family. Nothing can get through. That you must demand of yourself. So the government's not there to measure. Society's not there to measure. You must be responsible enough to measure yourself. How are you coming on this financial wall around your family? Nothing can get through. Get through. How are you doing? And whether it's a few pounds to lose, or whether it's a financial wall, or whether it's a growing office, whatever it is, find some ways to measure so you don't become disillusioned, thinking, oh, it looks okay, when it really isn't okay. Measure, check. Measure, check. It's the game to play. Now, here's number five. First was personal philosophy. We're affected by what we know. Second is attitude. We're affected by how we feel. I've had this debate with Zig now for 45 years. Should you start with education or motivation? The attitude's the motivation. Philosophy is the education. Zig says motivation first, then education. I say education first, then motivation. It's a good debate. I say, Zig, if a guy's an idiot, you motivate him. Now you got a motivated idiot. So score one for me. But now Zig's com Zig comes back. Here's what Zig says. Yes, but you have to be motivated to be educated. That's very good. So our debate continues. But you need both philosophy, guidance system, set sail so that no matter how the wind blows in the next few years, you'll be okay. Because you've learned to set sail, adjust, learn, study, grow, take notes like you're doing today. It, the hard work of learning is just as hard for you to learn and study today as it is for me to lecture. Both of it's hard work, but it's the work that pays extraordinarily well. Okay, then number three was activity. This is the miracle piece, the six-sevenths of your life. Six-sevenths. Engaged in activity that creates career, creates a relationship, creates a city, builds the future, creates wealth, power, influence, all the rest. 
activity. Then measuring progress. Don't kid yourself. Don't be deluded into thinking things. Oh, looks okay. You know, the bank's full of money. That may not be the only sign to check. The old prophet said the vineyard looks good, but make sure you check for the little foxes, the little foxes that can't be seen that are eating on the vines, eating on the vines, spoiling the vines, the little foxes, so that you don't build on sand, build on rock, save the day in the future. Now here's the last one, and it's called lifestyle, because the essence of life is not a Ferrari or a bank account. It's not a million dollars. Here's the essence of life: learning to live a good life, <laughs> to design and live an extraordinary life. Let me give you my short list of what I think comprises a good life: learning to live a good life. Number one, productivity. And it doesn't matter if you're a person of modest means or wealthy. Productivity is the name of the game. You must—that's what biggest share of our life is to produce. To produce. The old prophet said, "The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. The sleep of a working person is sweet. A producer, producer, not a drifter. Not the sleep of a goof-off man." Not the sleep of a joker. No, the sleep of a producer is sweet. Second, friendship. Friendships that endure. Don Gray, we go back what twenty-seven, twenty-eight years. Long time. Good friends. Friends are those wonderful people who know all about you and still like you, right? Next now is your heritage. Keep that alive because that's what makes America great. The gifts that came from all over the world, still in service, still in display. The costumes and the customs and the the language and the poetry and the literature, all that made America great that came from all over the world, deposited here. Keep that alive and growing. Language, music, customs, fiestas. All the good things that come from your culture, your heritage, that keep America lively, unique. There's nothing like it in, in the history of the world. Six thousand years of history makes us strong, makes us powerful, makes us the envy of the world. Next is your spirituality. Whatever you might believe about spirituality. I've got three words for you to consider. Jot these down. Remember them forever. Number one, study. Whatever your spiritual persuasion, study it. Don't leave it unstudied. Don't leave your spiritual heritage unstudied. So study. Number two, practice. Don't leave your spirituality unpracticed. Whether it's one-on-one -on -one in the marketplace, or synagogue, or church, whatever. Studied number one, practiced number two, three taught. Don't leave your spirituality untaught. Pass along what's become valuable and beneficial to you. Pass it along to someone else, especially to your children. That's how we build the strong foundation for the country. Families well taught. Well instructed, 
Next, something my parents taught me that they practiced all their life. Now I practice. Don't miss anything. Don't miss the game. Don't miss the concert. Don't miss the performance. Don't miss the show. Don't miss the conversation. Don't miss the sermon. Don't miss the class. Don't miss anything. Go look, see, learn, try, taste. Let that flavor of life be part of your lifestyle. When my father was 73 years old, after my mother was gone, when my father was 73 years old, before he, or 93 years old, before he died, if you would have called him at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, he wouldn't be home. He's at the concert. He's at church. He's at the rodeo. He's watching the kids play softball every night somewhere. My parents taught it, practiced it. Unbelievable. Don't miss anything. Don't miss the taste, the language. Elton John sings, she lived her life like a candle in the wind, never knowing who to cling to when the rain set in. What if you missed that? See, that wouldn't be good. George Harrison used to sing, before he died, if not for you, the winter would hold no spring. Couldn't hear a robin sing. I just wouldn't have a clue if not for you. Go taste, go listen, go enjoy. Now jot this down. There's a genius within all of us that recognizes extraordinary value. Um, here's the last part. Uh, God says, now I'm an amateur on God, but uh, here's my best shot. God says, if you will plant the seed, I will make the tree. Probably one of the best arrangements ever. What if you had to make the tree? See, that'd keep you up late night trying to figure out how do you make a tree? God says, no, don't worry about that. I got the tree stuff down. But I've always wanted, I, I didn't want to be alone. That's why I created all those angels, even though the big drama occurred. I still like to work, right, with humans that are interested in working together. So let's work together. And I think that's the deal. God says, you plant the seed, I will make the tree. So here's my last bit of language. And it says, we have a chance to participate in the working of miracles. We have a chance to participate in the working of miracles. Part of it is the work of our hands. Part of it is the work of our language. Part of it is the work of a soul that cares. Part of it is the work of a compassionate heart. Doing extraordinary work that affects other people's lives in building enterprise, fortunes, future, communities, church. We do good work.